All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, in Eurofolk Radio Land, and uh, to patriots and Christian identity and white nationalists everywhere. This uh, we are heading toward a major event, probably a firestorm, <laughs> another civil war in America, which the left has been planning on for the longest time. But I think they have pretty much overstepped their confidence in thinking that they can just get, uh, you know, shrug off the American militia and take us over with this Biden presidency. That's obviously what they expect to do. But uh, it's not going to happen because uh, there's no reason why all of these people bought all these guns and ammos and not use them, <laughs> right? Okay, come on, we got all these toys. Uh, uh, bring it on. Uh, let's see some of your uh, your, your Chinese troops, uh, some of your liberals, uh, your government thugs. Uh, bring them on. Let's see how well they fight. So th- this is what's going to happen, folks. I don't see any any different outcome. Whatever the uh, transition, uh, whether it's a transition on the 20th or uh, Trump staying in power, the inevitable is that we are going to have to fight to keep America from capitulating to global communists. That, that's the bottom line. So welcome. Welcome, Michael. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. I'm very good, in very good shape and in good, a good mood. Though the world is in, in chaos, but we are in good mood that we're doing our father's work here and we are proclaiming the kingdoms. And also, as wrote to you, we have to pray for more, more worker in the field because the harvest is big, but the workmanship in the field is few. So we have to pray for more work that we are granted more workmen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it seems like the workers uh, are always kind of like a very small number throughout history, <laughs> right? That uh, the harvest is always huge, but the you know, there's a lot of lazy people who don't want to work for their food. And so the other people have to pick up the slack and uh, harvest more, not just for themselves, but for the people who don't want to work for it. And uh, that's, that's the fate of the white race throughout history. We have to give uh, share what we have produced with the lazy races of the world who just don't want to work as hard as we do. But that's all going to change when the kingdom comes, folks. There'll be no more free ride for the socialists, for the communists, for the Jews, and the other races. No more free ride. They're going to have to work for everything they get. And because uh, that's real justice, folks. That's real justice. And justice is coming. Okay. So we're going to uh, start with a short article by Jory Stephen Brooks. It's entitled, Exiled Israel in the Cities of the Medes. And then we're going to uh, jump to an article by Pastor Sheldon Emery on the Marks of Israel. And uh, so between the, and the Marks of Israel is a longer article. We'll probably spend uh, two or three shows on that. But uh, Exiled Israel in the Cities of the Medes by Jory Stephen Brooks. He's a pastor. It's uh, not too far from here. He's, he lives in Michigan. And... Uh, the, this article was selected by Hope of Israel, uh, which is based in Australia. They have even selected a couple of my articles for print. And so uh, they'll take any Christian identity article or any from any author around the world and publish it. And so that's what they've done in this case here. So uh, uh, go ahead, take it away, Michael. 
Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, this is an uh, an short article, but I found it. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but it'd be intriguing because it's also about the apocryphal book of the book of Tobit, um, those book that that the common church seems to they doesn't want to get in association with it. They believe they are they're not true. Or they they want to just ignore them away. But they are they cover the what to say they cover the time time lap between the old testament and new testament that it also is showing light on some of the tracks of our adversary and what i would say what is your take on that well for sure it uh, it covers the history of exiled israel okay in in the middle east and uh, of course the book of first and second maccabees talk about how the house of judah was attacked by the greeks and then the romans and uh, you know how they attempted to change our culture, which is kind of like what our people have to go through throughout history. Is some invader always tries to change our habits, uh, tries to tear us away from the worship of our God Yahweh, and uh, and uh, uh, following His laws. And whenever we do that, uh, we suffer. We suffer tremendously. And in fact, Yahweh Himself will punish us when we do that. Okay. And uh, so I see that's kind of what's happening to America today because so-called Christians, primarily white Christians, have abandoned his laws, have swallowed fairy tales like antinomianism and multiculturalism and all these other things, have abandoned his laws and uh, the the separateness that uh, the Bible demands of us, and they have uh, adopted these mamby-pamby uh, kumbaya theologies and philosophies that socialism is one of them and Catholicism etc etc that uh, our, our people uh, no longer uh, value their own race you know the race that Yahweh created to be his servant so, so that's a really sad development in the modern world that so many people of our race have simply abandoned the true faith over to you yeah, then I think about this uh, verses uh, in that that Paul is saying those that uh, those tickling tickling their ear. Uh, this in uh, Second uh, Timothy, yeah, or three, I think it is that said this. Those uh, those for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching itching ears. Yep. Judeo-Christian pastors, <laughs> Judeo-Christian pastors, yeah. yeah, and liberals. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they, yeah, exactly, and also, also I said, they want to draw us away from from the laws, and by that way, it's then our protection, our, uh, that disappears, because that they know, if we keep to, to his law, nothing can happen to us, we are protected, but when we are drawn away from it, we will, we will be punished for it. Yes. So that is... Um, and then also, as I said, they want to change our ways because it doesn't fit them. So they want to change everything because it doesn't fit. But come on, yeah. <laughs> if it's our nation, why do you want to change how we live? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's yeah. Typical, yeah. Uh, yeah, who are you to come into our country and tell us how we're supposed to believe? You know, it's not your country, it's our country, right? But of course, that's what the yeah. Jews have done throughout history. They've invaded, you know, surreptitiously invaded our countries, uh, taking over our government and, of course, establishing their banks and then changing our culture accordingly. I mean, it's a, it's such an old story. It, 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 you know, I, I'm sick and tired of it. 
But, uh, you know, fortunately, this is the last time. <laughs> this is the last time because the Judgment Day is right around the corner, folks. And this, this is the last time it's ever going to happen. Okay, back to you. Yes, and by this time, it doesn't have any way really to go to either because yeah. you in America, you did, you did migrate to America to get away from this. And then you established this great American Republic. Uh, that was weighing God's how we supposed to have our rules here on earth. Yeah. Um, but that we have nowhere to go really now. Yeah, there's, there's no point in moving to Argentina. <laughs> right? Because, because uh, the Jews control Argentina just as much as they control America and Europe. All right? There's really no place left to escape to. Uh, maybe you want to move to a warmer climate where at least you'll be comfortable <laughs> in, in, in your, uh, in your uh, slavery. Okay, but that's obviously what Bill Gates and the rest of them, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, have in store for us is total, absolute slavery by poisoning us with their so-called vaccines. By the way, it's not going too well, uh, Michael. There are so many people getting adverse reactions to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and uh, even uh, in, in Illinois, of all places, 80% of healthcare workers are refusing the vaccine. That, that's incredible. That's, 80, that's a new development. Yeah, and around the world, it's roughly 50%. Why it should be excessively high in Illinois, I'm not sure, uh, but maybe because we're so used to corruption. <laughs> That, that now this has got to be corrupt too, right? So when, when corruption hits hits you personally, you, you resist it, right? And that, that's probably what's happening here yeah. in Illinois. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Should we start off with the article? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So this, okay. This is Exile Israel in the cities of the Medes. Um, a visit to the location of the lost tribes in the land of Media um, by Yori uh, Stephen Brooks. Hope I pronounced that correct. Yes. Um, with the fall of the House of Israel and its capital, Samaria, in 70, um, 721 BC, we read of their fate in 2 Kings um, 17.6. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and in Abor by the river of Gosam and the cities of the Medes. Um, it is a tantalizing mystery that we are not given here, nor in the parallel passage in Second Kings eighteen eleven, the names of the specific cities of Medes, Media, in which the Assyrian placed the exiled Israelites. What seems Clear is that they were exiled to some number of media cities rather than open land and more than any um, and more than one city is um, indicated. Perhaps several, perhaps several. Historian George uh, uh, Salman uh, Azar in uh, Universal History lists eight main cities in media of that day. Many more cities were founded by the Greeks after the conquest of Alexander the Great in 330 BC. Uh, these earlier median cities include Rages, now Revi, uh, Ekbatana, now uh, Hamalon, 
Bagistana. Now, uh, Behistun. And correct me, please, if I pronounce it horrible, bad. Yeah, yeah. Behistun. Behistun is a modern pronunciation. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Gaza or Gaze. Artaxa. Sanian. Fasenia. And Syropolis. Some or all of these cities became the temporary home of exile Israel after the Syrian conquest. Let's take a closer look for evidence concerning the lost tribes in media. Okay, so now we have some... Uh, uh, Ragus, uh, now called today Ray, I guess. R-E-Y-Y. Ray. Yes. And now is the apocryphal book of Tobit. The Bible used the Greek form Tobias um, tells the story of one of the exiles of the house of Israel who lived in the land of Media after the Syrian conquests. He tells us Tobit uh, of the tribe and the city of Naphtali was made captive in the days of an Meser king. Uh, of the Assyrians. He was come to Ragus, a city of the Medes, amongst a great multitude of his uh, kindred. And that's from Tobit 1, 1 uh, 2, 16 and 17. Uh, this city, uh, Ragus, also spelled uh, Ragus, is today known as um, Rei, uh, or Rei. Uh, and it's an archaeological site about 30 miles southeast of modern city of Tehran, Iran, located at the southern end of the Caspian Sea. It is famous in history as the first capital of the Parthian Empire, an earliest seat of the Parthian emperors. Okay, that's interesting. The I Parthian... didn't know that. Didn't know that it was the first capital of the Parthian Empire. So basically, uh, the Parthian Empire is. Uh, Israel territory, who uh, you know, the, the exiled Israelites of all twelve, all yeah, actually all twelve tribes that uh, were taken north and east by the Assyrians and used as number one slaves for Assy to do Assyrian work, and number two as a buffer to uh, you know absorb invading tribes from the east. Okay, so this was the, the two main functions of the captive Israelites in this territory. But as the Assyrian Empire declined, then the Parthian Empire uh, uh, became more powerful. So back to you. Yes, and we have also previously discussed that the Parthian is, is part of the of, um, of Pharis Judah, the Pharis branch from, from Judah. Amen. Uh, because Sarah, Sarah had all the left for Europe. Yes. Uh, the Parthian connection to Israel's lost tribes is an important one. The fascinating story of the, of the Dibinic line of descendants in the Parthian royal family and of the true story of the Parthian Magi, the wise man who came to visit the Christ child, is told in the wonderful recent book Parthia, the Forgotten Asian Superpower and its Role in Biblical History by Stephen M. Collins. And he has written very good books. I've read them, the four of them, but though it's so, but he misses the point with the, 
with the who the who the Judites are and who they are not. You say yeah. like that. He misses he, identity point there. Yeah, he equates them with Edomite Jews. <laughs> right? No, yeah. no possibility that the Edomite Jews are Judahites. No. Okay. Yeah. Back to you. No, and that we have made uh, numerous studies on and shows on to show yeah. that that's a made-up word. This doesn't even right. exist, so it's a made-up one. Uh, okay. And some commentaries cast doubt on the Book of Tobit, calling it a um, second or third century Greek creation. They point out that it contains Greek mysticism in the form of us um, Moodius, the evil spirit. And that is Tobit 3, 8, 8, 2 until 3, 12, 8 until 13. Um, the book also purports to take place during the time of um, Enmer, Enmerser, king of Assyria. And there was no known Assyrian king with that name. Um, Tobit 1, 2 tra translated uh, Soma Manasseh. Yeah, Salmanizer. In some old yeah, okay. uh, Bible translations. However, according to Professor Alan H. Goodby of Duke University, translations of Assyrian clay tablets have shown that uh, Shalmaneser's son, Sargon, actually bore the Assyrian designation of Ennam Ashur, an Assyrian royal uh, title. Uh, a spurious Greek author would not have known of this. Centuries after Assyria's capital cities had um, disappeared under the desert sand. Okay, and this is true is of uh, yeah. Uh, this is true of much of biblical archaeology that people are skeptical of uh, the Bible uh, record will always point. Well, there was never such a person with that name. You know, uh, the the book of. Uh, uh, what's a in the New Testament uh, that uh, you know, there was never such a Roman leader by that name? But then, when you, with closer inspection, you find, yeah, there was. <laughs> okay, so you have to do really deep research to find out that all of these people did exist. If the Bible says they existed, they existed. Period. Oh, back to you. Yes, and we have the modern day. Um, what do you say? Researchers sometimes they won't just disprove the Bible. They does they doesn't seem to make make it sound that it's true. Unfortunately, but if they would be more open-minded to that aspect, then they would realize that all the words in the Bible is true. Yes, that is what um, what we have also discussed that the archaeological findings is a way of the stones crying out. Um, yes, to all the. To all the world, hey, look here, if you, if my prophets are quiet, if they don't tell, well, then let the stone cry out. And they are doing that. Yeah, yeah and the arch and the atheistic archaeologists do the work for us, all right, whether they want to or not, okay? All right. Yeah, they will, yeah. They will be shown that they, are, yeah. they cannot disprove it either. It's this verse in Romans. Chapter 1, they are left without um, excuse, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. Okay, it is now believed that the core of the Book of Tobit and its historical details <laughs> were indeed written in the 8th century BC, and probably organly in Assyrian um, cuneiform on clay tablets. 
and renders in Greek centuries later combined the mystic religious ideas added by the translator. This translator also would have Greek-signalized uh, the name of Ennam Asher into Ennemeser. In the same way uh, that proper names such as Tobit changes to Tobias and Tobias and uh, Sakai, the person name for Israel. Ah, Sakai. Here we have it. Sakai. Sakai is Sakai. Yes, the name of Isaac. Yes, uh, was turned into Greek forms. Scythian his history informs us of these people known by the Greek name Scythians, first appeared in the area of the Israel exile about 721 BC and later migrated into Europe as the ancestor of European people. Okay, and this occurs exactly uh, at the historical time that the ten northern tribes were taken captive by the Assyrians and placed in this exact area. Okay, uh, they went uh, east of uh, what is it, uh, what is that sea that internal sea the Caspian Sea, they went east of the Caspian Sea, whereas the Caucasian migration went between the Caspian and the Black Sea into southern Europe. Okay, so they were more east uh, than the re rest of their Israelite kinsmen, but nevertheless, they are still Israelites. Back to you. Yes, they took different uh, migratory rounds around the Caspian Sea to the right or to the east, or they took uh, along yeah. the along uh, uh, the the path of Israel. So you could say that the Israelites uh, that went to east of the Caspian Sea became known as Scythians or Scythians, and uh, the Israelites that went between the two seas are known as Caucasians. But they're, they're both Israelite tribes. Okay, back to you. Yeah, they are the same, the same, the same yeah. tribes. Could that is that also the one that calls Kumri, or what is the name on the uh, yeah. um, the Cimmerians in, in in English? Yeah. Cimmerian, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, that that, that is a, a totally different migration. Uh, that migration occurred primarily by sea uh, toward uh, Britain. Okay, and they may have landed on the northern shores of uh, actually the southern shore of Europe, but. Uh, to, to my knowledge, most of them went uh, all the way across the Mediterranean, uh, went north, and landed in um, in Britain, and uh, they're today known as the Welsh. But uh, the Sumerian uh, is not as it's, it's harder to document their migration over land. But there, I'm, I'm sure there are many of them because it simply means uh, the uh, people of Amri, King Amri. Okay. But uh, this was uh, a migration that occurred either before they were taken captive because they didn't want to be captives to the Assyrians and they got out of Dodge, <laughs> you know, and they, they took ships and just sailed west, okay? So it's, it's harder to document them because it was uh, by sea, okay? However, the Welsh still refer to themselves as Kumru, which is a direct tie to Amri, King Amri. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and Amri is the reference to the to the Israelites because that was was their king. It was never referred to as Israel, but to the to that king, that Israelite that Israelite king. 
Yes. That's why it's armory. That's why that. Okay, let's continue. The 19th century visitor, Isabel Lucy Bird, describes the site of Regis in her book, Journeys in Persia and Kurdistan. She writes, curving to the southwest, Tehran, the mountains end in a bare ridge around the base of which, according to many archaeologists, lie vestiges of the city of Regis, known in later days as Rei, a tomb of brick with uh, angular surfaces, um, sacred to the memory of the ancient and romantic attachment, remains of fortifications and the Parsi cemetery on the ledge overlooking the remains break the monotony of the waste in that direction. This cemetery, a tower of silence, a white uh, splash on the brown hillside is visible from afar. The punctated cones, which in many places mark seats, ancient um, Zoroastrian worship have been mentioned here and there. But it is only in Tehran and Izeb, the later an ancient city located today in central Iran, that the descendants of the fire worshipper are found in such a number as to be able to give um, prominence for their ancient rites. Hmm. End okay. quote. Okay. And the founder of this religion of fire worship was um, Suraster, who lived his life in the city of Rage in Media. He was born about 630 BC, so it is possible that some of the exile Israel was still in the area when these fire temples were erected. Yeah, Zoroaster. Zoro fire Aster. temples, this sounds yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah, if something you know, the sound, this sounds like pagan fire temples, it sounds like, I don't know, Baal or something like this. Right. Like fire temples. Yeah, it could be. pagan. Yeah, right. But it could be, uh, but that wouldn't be unusual for Israelites to engage in something like that. Uh, Zoroaster may have actually been an Israelite. Okay, so it's quite possible, or, or maybe a, you know, a, a half breed between uh, Israel and uh, uh, Iranian, because all those people were white in those days. Okay, might have been Indian even, uh, uh, Aryan stock from India, because you're, you're talking, you're really close to India, when you you get this far east in Iran. Okay, all right, back to you. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, history books often tells us that the Anglo-Saxon people originated somewhere in the center. Uh, hello? Sorry, I got a okay. phone call on my... Oh, okay. Hello. I'm still here. <laughs> All right. Okay, sorry. History books often tell us that the Anglo-Saxon people originated somewhere in Central Asia, although they have no proof of or evidence to support that belief. However, historian James Coles um, uh, Pritchard, in his uh, 1844 book, 
research in the physical history of mankind gives evidence of a different origin. He quotes uh, a language expert named Von Hammer and states, quote, there were two distinct dialects in Parisia from remote times to Eastern or uh, Derry and the Western uh, or Pelvi. There was spoken beyond the Oxus in Central Asia. The Pelvi was in use in media proper in the towns of Ray, Rages, uh, Hamadan, or Ekbatana, uh, Isfahan, uh, Nevend, and Tabriz, the capital of um, Adder uh, Bayan. That's okay. probably where you get Azerbaijan from. You know, so these people were Israelites. So the, the Israelites had their own dialect, which would be understandable. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, and the area northeast of Habor, where Israelites were also exiled. Um, I-15, uh, Pritchard uh, uh, then indicates that the modern Anglo-Saxon language of Europe show affinity to the Pelvi language, use it in areas in media where the exiled Israelites dwelled. Very good. Uh, yeah. Pelvi having acquired all the characteristics of modern language. And there, there's another dialect called Farsi, which is very, very similar to German. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this... Okay. Let's continue. Um, this is Ekbatana and uh, Bagistana, uh, uh, Beishtun. Um, horrible to, to pronounce it, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in his list of median cities whose pelvic language was the forerunner of Anglo-Saxon, Dr. Uh, Pritchard uh, listed Hamam, the ancient Ekbatan. It was located at the foot of Mount Elvend, 12 miles long and 10,000 feet in height, whence it um, derives, uh, quote, whence it derives a copy water supply and in plain, strictly um, uh, sprinkled with uh, vineyard, uh, orchards and gardens but whose elevation is 6,000 feet above the sea. It enjoys one of the finest situations in Persia, end quote. Um, Curzon, Persia, I-566. Uh, Ekbatana was on the road midway between uh, Ninveh and Rages. Well, it sounds like Germany. <laughs> Vineyards, orchards, and gardens, right? By the way, Anglo-Saxon has a lot of Hebrew words in it. You know, anywhere between 30% to 50% of the Anglo-Saxon language is Hebrew. Okay, back to you. Yes. Yes, okay. In the same region, a few miles away, on the other side of Mount Elvan, in the valley of the uh, Kauspes, was a town of Bagistana, now known as Beishtun, where Darius is commissioned a large engraved uh, scene on a step, 1,700 foot cliff depicting his con conquest of nine rebels. According to the Cambridge History of Iran, 
the artwork shows evidence of a Greek uh, designer, I829, since many Hebrews, especially those of the tribe of Dan, colonized Greece, it is intriguing to wonder if exiled Israelites living in the area worked in this mount. Bagistana is a Persian word meaning, um, quote, the place of God, end of quote. So it corresponds in meaning to the Hebrew term Bethel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, the book of Tobit mentioned Israel's exile living in the area of Ekbatana, as does the book of Ezra, which uses the name Akhmetah for Ekbatana in chapter 6, verse 2. The evidence, therefore, indicates that Anglo-Saxon people arrived in Europe from locations in Media, including the areas of Regis and Ekbatana, as well as the region of harbor in Mesopotamia, not from Central Asia. It is instead likely that some of Israel's exile migrated from Media east into Central Asia, while others traveled northwest through the Caucasus into Europe. Yes, there was a, this was yeah. the migration trial that we discussed before. The, either through the Caucasus, the path of Israel, or east, around yes. the Caspian Sea on the eastern yeah. side. And uh, directly north of the Caspian Sea would be Russia. I think it's the, uh, what's, what's the big uh, Russian river that goes uh, flows virtually north, north to south uh, into the Caspian Sea? Is the the Volga? Volga. The Volga, yes. Okay. So a lot of Israelites went up to Russia. Okay, back to you. Yes. Okay. Of historical note, Alexander the Great paused in rages with his army for five days in 331 BC while pursuing Persian king Darius. Kudumanus, uh, after the final defeat of the Persian army at um, Gaugamale, um, rage was destroyed several times, first by Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar, later during the Persian-Parthian War, then by the uh, Tatars. That sounds like the Teutonic, I don't know, Teutonic, but maybe it's not yeah. really that same, same yeah. word here. I believe that the Tartars uh, were an Eastern uh, Mongoloid uh, group, but I, I'm not, uh, it's been a while since I've looked up their origin, but I think that's... Uh, they're from uh, Eastern uh, Asia, or Western Asia, put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Oh, look it up. Then yeah. nothing to do with it. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no. They're and not once by, And once by a severe earthquake. The site of the city has long been abandoned, and its people, east and west, from there. Okay. The yeah, very interesting. Okay, so the uh, this is a nice historical survey of this area where our ancestors dwelt for several hundred years, okay? It's, uh, it's the origin of the Parthian Empire, okay? Uh, an empire which the vast majority of white people know nothing about, <laughs> right? Absolutely nothing about. Why? Because the Jews don't want anybody to know that it was an Israelite empire, okay? They don't want you to know that uh, that the Caucasian people 
derived from you know both the Parthians and of course the uh, Median and Armenian uh, you know migrations you know through the Caucasus and, and around the Caspian Sea and of course the uh, Western migration across the Mediterranean. So they don't want anybody to know about these migrations and the origin of the European people. Okay, that is just a taboo subject because it conflicts with the Jewish version of historical events that they are the only representatives of the 12 tribes. In other words, the 11 other tribes just cease to exist and only the Jews remain and they claim the name of Judah. Okay, this is the mythology that we have to fight against. And this type of historical research proves conclusively that uh, it's garbage. <laughs> the Jewish version of history is absolute garbage. Okay, folks. All right. So, uh, and then we have, what is the uh, next article? The uh, one by Sheldon Emery. Yes, was this the article, The Marks of Israel, compared compare between the Jews and the Saxondom. Okay, I'm by searching for Pastor it. Sheldon. Yeah, okay. I'm searching for it in uh, our chat area. So it must have been uh, posted by you much earlier than uh, exiled. So I'll, I'll just keep um, I searching. I sent it to you again. Send it yeah, please do. And uh, then I can share it with the people in the chat room. Because I didn't yes. even know, until you shared this with me, I didn't even know that Sheldon Emery had actually written a document by this title. Okay. And uh, so that's that's very interesting. Okay. So, uh, all right. Uh, so, if, yeah, if there you'll share. What's that? I've sent the article to you right now. Okay. So. Um, there it is. Uh, Thank you. I can start up. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, so this is the marks of Israel, compared between the Jews and the Anglo-Saxondom, by Pastor Sheldon Emery. Um, before we start this study, I would like to state a premise and tell you a little story that you can lead to this. Suppose the uh, authorities announced that a well-known and wealthy man had passed away and left his entire fortune to a son who was known only to him. In other words, the attorneys, the courts, and the local people did not know the son. However, the rich man's will included detailed descriptions of the son from which he could be recognized. Ah, could that be a metaphor for, for our 12 tribes? Yeah. Um, if the fa father's description said that the son was six feet tall, with blue eyes and blonde hair, and grave 40 or 50 other physical char characteristics, the uh, authorities would certainly be um, their relict in their duties. If they awarded uh, the estate to some fellow who was five feet tall and had black hair, even if he came in with a thousand witnesses saying, this is the son, of the man who has died, they will be uh, derelict in their duty if they did not examine the individual claiming um, to be the, the son to see whether he matched the description given in the will. 
we have a book uh, which we call the Bible that is really the will of God. It states God's purpose, uh, gives the promises, the covenants, and the things God was going to bestow on the descendants of Abraham. It also describes these descendants of Abraham. We could conceivably establish a court, bringing in witnesses and identify the descendants of Abraham by the marks and descriptions written in the will, the Bible. That is what I'm going to try to do to some extent in this study. If you know something about American history, you know that Thomas Paine in the year just before the Revolutionary War wrote a number of articles, including his book that's called Common Sense. These writings helped the American colonists decide that they wanted independence from England. Yet Thomas Paine has been condemned as a non-Christian because he said at one point he did not believe in the Bible. I didn't know that, Eli. It is something uh, just... Uh, yeah. Well, he, uh, the reason he didn't believe in the Bible was because uh, he, he, he said that the Jewish people have not fulfilled the prophecies of the Israelites. So he was absolutely right about that. Okay? So either something wrong with the Bible or something wrong with the interpretation. Okay? Back to you. Yeah, and that's uh, clarified here. I see now in the text yeah. here. Yeah. Um, the his history books usually do not tell us what Thomas Paine actually stated. He actually said, since the Jews were supposed to be Israel, and the things that were supposed to happen to Israel were not happening to them, then the Bible could not be true. He dismissed the Bible because it did not appear as if God was keeping his covenants with uh, what was supposed to be the Israel people. Yes. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, uh, that was just a rational, uh, as a rational more. conclusion by, by by him, right? Very rational. You know, hey, th these people don't fit the prophecies. Uh, what are you trying to pass off here, right? But it never occurred to him there must be another people, another people who are, you know, Israel. Never occurred to him that he was an Israelite. All right. Oh back yeah. To you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, others have written about the marks of Israel and have given over 100 specific marks from the Bible that would be found upon the descendants of Abraham. Let us right. closely examine 33 of these identifying marks and okay. discover what people are the descendants of Abraham. Okay, now hold on a second. I'm trying to copy this link. Uh, it's a PDF, so it doesn't appear to be searchable online. So uh, maybe somebody in the chat room can uh, uh, catch it uh, somewhere online. Yeah, and I also heard, yeah, Hosea Earl, uh, banking heir Benjamin de Rothschild, died Friday of a heart attack. They're also talking about Sheldon Addis Adelson. He also died. So the um, Jew, the big shot Jews are dropping like fr flies. Uh, fries, yeah, <laughs> French fries. <laughs> All right, so that's good. That's really good news that these big shot Jews are dying off, because yeah. it turns out you know that their uh, their successors turn uh, turn out to be not as radical as they are, and not as um, how should I put it, itching for a fight 
like these big shot Jews are. So I, I think their 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 taste for blood is not as strong in this last generation as it used to be. So that's a good thing. But uh, in any case, they will be overthrown by uh, the the people of God. You know, the Israelite people of the covenant. So uh, uh, so please continue. I'll see if I can find this a link uh, for this article online. Please continue. Oh, sorry. Yes, I was look. I think I found it here. So I'll just oh. Oh, okay. uh, send you the article. Okay. It's on yeah. the way. Thanks. Yeah, the, the link you sent me is not uh, searchable online. So uh, I can't share no, it with that you. That was on PDF. Okay. Yeah, it was on PDF. I did send. Um, let's see. But I can I can read on while this one is yes. working here. I think I, yeah. I think I have okay, here I have it. I send you the link now. Oh okay. Good. There we go. Yeah, the um, uh, so oh, there we go. If, yeah, thank you. Okay. So the first four marks of Israel. We find four marks in the twelfth chapter of Genesis. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's um, house, unto a land that I will shew thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him, that curses thee, and in thee shall all family of the earth be blessed. Now, here is uh, who is the one that that is delivering blessings upon the world? Who is doing the invention? Who has invented all modern uh, invention in the world? Yeah, the Jews, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Didn't they invent the automobile, the airplane, uh, you know, the uh, computer? Wasn't the Jews? Oh, well, they did invent the atomic bomb, <laughs> right? Weapons of mass destruction are good at inventing stuff like that. Back to you. And banking schemes. Yeah, banking schemes. That is there also you go. destruction. Uh, but let's see now. Now, now let's uh, go back to uh, be serious here. Um, the first mark is that Abraham would be made into a great nation. The Hebrew word translated nation is goy. It is translated in the King James Bible into the word nation, people, and in a few places into the word Gentile. You could um, confound the fundamentalists and the Jews right here. If you were to translate nation into Gentile, because it would, then read that God had said unto Abraham, I will make of thee a great Gentile. Yeah, right. Obviously. Well, that would make him a non-Israelite, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's too, probably too close for them to observe. Um, okay. Obviously, the correct interpretation would be nation or people, mm -hmm. a great people. That could be either people who were renowned or who were great in numbers or both. Most probably, it means great in numbers, since that phrase is 
uh, repeated so often. For comparison, the Jews today claim to be less than 20 million people, of which about two uh, and one half million are in Palestine. Whereas the Anglo-Saxon and kindred people in the nations which um, follow Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of Israel, number somewhere between 400 and 600 million people. It is hard to give an exact number because the Anglo-Saxon people are in nations where they are mixed in with other races. Sometimes the uh, census sh shows the total population instead of breaking the numbers down to show the total of each race. Certainly there are a much greater num number of Anglo-Saxon and kindred people than Jews. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also remember, yeah, that's uh, this. Uh, they are the the smallest nation upon the earth, and that they say also that, themselves that they are right. the smallest nation. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're always nation. around six million. <laughs> no matter how many times six million of them die, uh, you know. But obviously today there's way more of them because uh, the, all those six million escaped to America and Israel, and so a, a lot of Jews simply hide their eth ethnicity. So that they uh, either uh, either are ashamed you know, to admit that they're Jews, or they're they're simply uh, spies for the Jewish community. Back to you. Yeah, and they then would you say blend in into the yep. society to yeah. be yeah. Nights. Um. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, spies. In other words, yeah. Uh, what's their word? Cyanum is the, their word. Cyanum. Yeah. yeah, isn't that uh, the Mossad, uh, Mossad the term for them? Yeah, that's right. That's, uh, yeah. And most of them will do it, because otherwise they get threatened to be murdered or killed, so they they are they get threatened by their own. So that's right. They can't yep. be good. Uh, okay. Always remember that this promise was given before Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. At the time, the promise was given Abraham and other descendants than those we call Israelite today. These descendants are also Abraham's seed. Genesis chapter 16 state, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram uh, hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Okay, now and he the, went the, yeah. in. Okay, so he had and sex he with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, although she's stated to be an Egyptian, that does not mean she isn't white, okay? Because Egypt was settled by the descendants of Ham, the, the brother of uh, uh, Shem and uh, Japheth. 
Okay, so, and Egypt was ruled by white people for, you know, millennia, several millennia before it finally declined. And because uh, what it is today is, does not resemble what it was in the beginning under the Hamites. It was clearly a white uh, empire. Back to you. Yes, uh, exactly. And we also know that the, the, um, oh, I forgot the name now. Uh, what do you say? The, uh, ah, it get back to me. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, okay. she was, an, she was uh, a descendant from Ham, anyway. Right. Hang on. Yeah, she was a Hamite, yeah. Or a white, they were white people. They were. Yeah, and uh, there was okay. a, there was a, uh, a uh, for lack of a better word, a, a cult of priests who were actually related to Enoch in the city of An. It's quite possible that Hagar was uh, from that community as well, and those were uh, from uh, before Noah's flood, actually. The children of Enoch and the priesthood of An are uh, basically the same thing, but they settled in Egypt. Back to you. Yeah, but because also Moses, um, his wife came from, uh, from, um, from, yeah, I forgot the name now. Uh, uh, was it Moses' wife? Uh, oh no! I think I think you're thinking of uh, Joseph. Uh, Joseph uh, yeah. married a uh, the the daughter of a priest of An. Okay, so uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, definitely white. Absolutely white. Back to you. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember uh, her name so, either. So, hey, Greg. Yeah. No, I for- I forgot. I mixed it together. Sorry. So, yeah. Hager actually bore a child. Um, which was Abraham's firstborn. God had promised a son, of course, through Sarai. Read on, read on in Genesis chapter 17. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, do shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Ye, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Okay, then so... Abraham fell upon it. Yeah, yeah. Have there ever been any kings of the Jews? Kings and queens of the Jews? Do they have any history of royalty? They're no. mostly barons, I would say. Yeah, yeah. None, none whatsoever. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, you know, I guess the critics of the Bible are right. The Bible is is not true because the Jews don't fulfill any of these prophecies. Back to you. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. the point. Uh, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. That's from Genesis yes. 17, 15 unto 18. So here, laughter. Yeah. Here, that's the name comes right. from, I guess. Yeah, Isaac. Yeah, Isaac means laughter. But of course, uh, people in yeah. those days were much more physically fit at that age than we are today. Back to you. Yes. Yes, and also yeah, Sarah, Sarah that uh, that was Sarah that yeah. was yeah. In, in her nineties should bear a son for him. Yeah, 
So I yeah. guess both of them found that pretty. I don't know what to say. <laughs> amazing. Even though in those days it was amazing, right? Uh, Abraham said, "Come oh, yeah. on, I, come on, God. <laughs> Are you telling me that my ninety-year-old wife is going to bear a son?" And Yahweh says, "Yes, that's what I'm saying. Just wait. <laughs> wait one more year. Back to you. Wait and see." Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very, I like that. So Abraham yeah. was saying, I don't believe that I will ma- have a son with Sarah. So why don't you take Ish- Ishmael and make him my true son? I guess because he was from Ham. The, the, that uh, the, yes. um, uh, Agar was from Ham. So he wasn't really then uh, of that true, what do you say, seed line. I, well, he didn't, he didn't break... Uh, the law by by being no. with, uh, um, Hagar. Ha- yeah. with the Hagar. No, but he still, didn't. it wasn't of that true seed line. But it's, yeah, it's not the correct seed line. Uh, you know that seed line uh, Yahweh had uh, specified from the very beginning, and it had to be that seed line. Back to you. Mm, yes, tested. And God said, "Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son, indeed." And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And that's Genesis seventeen nineteen. Uh, there was going to be a specific covenant with Isaac, who would be the true seed of Abraham. But God goes on. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall beget, and I will make him a great nation. That's Genesis seventeen twenty. Mm-hmm. And here's a specific promise to uh, descendants of Abraham. Uh, other, uh, okay. Tafan Israelites, other other than Israelites, who are to be a great nation or a great people. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee, and this set time in the next year. Genesis seventeen twenty one. Uh, after Isaac was born, Sarah in jealousy cast out Hagar and Ishmael. And quote, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had boom unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast this bound woman and her son, for the son of this bound woman shall not be here with my son, even with Isaac. And the things was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in the sight because of uh, the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called, and I and also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And that's Genesis 21, 9 on to 30. Yes. Yeah, here we see that, yeah, that Hagar will be, she gets, yeah, yeah, she has to move. It's also record, uh, Eli, that um, 
uh, Ishmael was uh, he was not uh, nice with Isaac. He did point his arrow right. toward him. He 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 was, yes. he was not good for Isaac. That's uh, contained in the book of Jasher. Uh, uh, Ishmael drew his bow, intending to kill Isaac, but uh, but Sarah saw it, and uh, that's why she sent uh, them away. She had very very good reason for sending them away. Back to you. Oh, by the way, also, yeah. the Ishmaelites throughout history until very, very recently uh, were most definitely white people. You know, they were known as the Arabs, but before these Arabs became, you know, became, uh, how should I, well, let's put it this way. Living out in the hot sun of the desert uh, of Arabia, you, you become a redneck, <laughs> right? So these were definitely white people living in that era in that territory up until the Muslim period when they started uh, importing slaves from Africa. That's when the Ishmaelites began race mixing with Africans and Indians and who knows what, okay? That's when their race began to darken in their skin tone as opposed to being white people. So it's very recent in history, comparatively speaking, that the Arabs actually became a dark-skinned race. They were white people up until that point in time. Back to you. Yes. Okay. And they had the great nations also. You see, yes. they had the great nations also. So princes and had, um, so they were yeah. blessed. And yeah, and uh, they had actually a great civilization. They're, they're uh, excellent in mathematics, in uh, architecture. I mean, they, they were a very productive uh, nation. Uh, the Arab, I mean, the uh, Muslims, which basically took over, uh, have done nothing. <laughs> the, the Muslims are, are very unproductive people. They don't work. They don't uh, produce any techno technology. I mean, they're basically uh, really several cuts below. The Ishmaelites. Okay, back to you. Okay. Um, then let's continue. God states again that these descendants through Agar, Hagar and Ishmael are Abraham's seed and will be made into a great people. Quote, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed, and wandered in the wilderness of Be'er um, Sheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the children on the one of the shrubs. And she went, and sat her, her down over against him, a good way off, as it were a bound shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And uh, very interesting. Genesis. This is, yeah, yeah, tw Genesis 21, 14 through 6. This is very interesting that uh, she laid Ishmael underneath a uh, briar bush uh, about the distance of a bow shot. Why a bow shot? Could that be because uh, Ishmael t intended to kill Isaac with a bow? So may maybe this is uh, her, her way of distancing herself from her son, who uh, was uh, more violent than uh, Isaac would have been. Okay, Very interesting. Uh, that, uh, that verse has totally passed me by up until now. Very interesting. Back to you. Yeah, as it were, a bow shot. Yeah. 
A very interesting yeah, phrase. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Very interesting phrase there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. So now she. Look, yeah. You. So. Yeah. So here she is. Uh, you know, she's run out of water, and uh, she's probably at the point to die. So what's she going to do? So she eventually comes back to Abraham, and uh, but uh, the, the their their rank uh, in the family is lower. They're not part. They can't be part of the bloodline of Isaac. You know, the covenant bloodline, and uh, so they have to live with that. Back to you. Yes. So here is Ishmael, in, in effect, going through the same type of crisis that Isaac did. Remember, Isaac was put on the altar and brought almost to the point of death. Ishmael is laid out in the sand under a bush, and he is going to die. Um, continuing, quote, And God heard her, the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar, out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And quote. That Genesis 21, 17 until 18. And this is interesting that it is the lad, it's through Ishmael that. that that our God hears the voice of him. It's not Hagar. Right. It's not speaking to Hagar, but yeah. but it's through this, through this lad, through the to Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And then that goes to to Hagar. Yes, and then he, yeah, mm-hmm. here he talks about the Arabs being the descendants of Ishmael again. As I said earlier, the original Arabs were white people. They were not dark skinned. Uh, Arabs that you have today, you know, a mixed breed, a mixed race breed, uh, partly African, partly uh, Afri- the uh, Draconians, I think, is the uh, terminology for the dark-skinned Indians of the really hot regions of southern regions of India. So, uh, uh, Dravidians, that's it, the, the Dravidians, who were almost uh, Negro-type people, and the Arabs. Later on, when they became Islamicized, were uh, raiding other countries and bringing back slaves. Okay, even even from white people. You know, the the uh, Muslims would steal, uh, kidnap people from everywhere, including Europe, and bring them back and make them slaves in their own country. So this is a, a real downturn in the uh, history of the Arab people. I mean, it's just really total degeneracy among the Arab people from that point on. Back to you. Yes. So, then God gave her the lad back and saved his life. So he was near of perishing here, Ishmael. Um, Now, most people in that part of the world today know that the Arabs are descendants of Ishmael. There are about 200 million Arabs who know who they are. There probably is not one Christian in a hundred in America that has ever had it brought to his mind that these Arabs are descendants of Abraham and therefore have a covenant with God Almighty. God promised to make them a great people and promised he would bless them. In spite of much light shed by the Bible 
to the country. The fundamentalists in America are always par uh, uh, parading the words, Jews are the descendants of Abraham and the Jews are Israel. In fact, they spout over the airwaves day after day and year after year that because the Jews are the descendants of Abraham, they have a God-given right to all the land from the river Nile to the Euphrates. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting discussion in the chat room about you know, when did the term Arab actually come to be used of the Ishmaelites. They were probably known as Ishmaelites for much of history. So it's hard to say when the term Arab actually became applied to them because the term Arab in Hebrew, E-R-E-B, means to become dark. Okay, now that could be in terms of getting a really dark tan, like a redneck, right? It could be a reference to that, but it could also be a reference to their ultimate uh, race mixing that they engaged in, right? So, yeah, to become dark is the meaning of the term in Hebrew, okay? So both, both meanings can apply, you know, to the history of the Arabs. Back to you. Mm-hmm. This is a um, topic you are not um, um, taught in, in school, nowhere right. in your universities. Yeah. Instead, it, would, it would be racist uh, to bring that up theory. in school. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Please continue. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Jerry Falwell, Robinson, Adrian uh, Rodgers, president of the Southern Baptist um, and con convidation uh, and several other ministers met um, with uh, Menachem Begin. This meeting was reprinted in uh, Falwell's publication, The Moral Majority. They, in fact, uh, promised him the support of all um, American fundamentalist um, Christians in the Jewish claim to the land in Palestine. This support even extended to lands which they still do not have. So they buy some kind of, what do you call it? By, um, not, I won't say, I won't use democracy, but uh, say this is the majority of the Christians believer in America. We support uh, Israel. And by that we justify it. I don't know. Yeah. By saying well, we are the majority of the... Yeah, they claim to be anyway, you know, but... Uh... Yeah, ever since the Schofield Re Reference Bible was introduced around 1904, the uh, Christian churches became more and more Judeo-Christian churches. And uh, it, it's not even true to call it fundamentalist because fundamental, fundamental Christianity had no Jewish influence whatsoever. In fact, it rejected Jewish influence, you know, up until around 1900. So even the term fundamentalist is falsely applied to these people, okay? Now, there was no such thing as Judeo-Christianity until, and the term even dates to around the 1930s, okay? There never was any such thing before then, and in reality there is no such thing ever, because you cannot blend Antichrist religion with Christian religion and be you know, true to the principles of Scripture. You just can't do it. Back to you. Well, yeah, I agree. The fundamentalist that sounds um, wrong, and it's more the, yeah, the the side the they that are support the, the Israel state. Yeah. So they are, yeah. 
uh, Christian Zionist. I don't know what kind of word I can use. Yeah, yeah. And so this um, being the major feature of so-called fundamentalism today, it's absolutely wrong. It's totally unscriptural that uh, the primary interest of Christians should be the uh, promotion of the Israeli state, you know, the, the promotion of the Antichrist state in Israel. Okay, yeah, it's just a total perversion of, of Christianity, absolute perversion. Back to you. And is that what they what they call it in America? Fundamentalist. Fundamentalism. Fundamentalism. Yeah. Proclaiming? Right. Yeah. That, well, that's what they call themselves. That sounds like. Right. It sounds deceptive. Also, say we are yeah. fundamentalists. We are right. like the two. We are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are fundamentalists. It yeah. Sounds uh, deceptive. Also, to call it that. Yeah, well, the same thing is true of the rapture theory, okay? The the fundamentalists believe in the rapture theory as well. But the rapture theory did not come about until late 1800s. Nobody ever taught it until then. So it can't be a fundamental Christian doctrine <laughs> because it didn't arrive until way, late, way later, right? None of the early church fathers taught it. None of the early church fathers agreed that the Jews were Israel, okay? Uh, the, the animosity toward the Jews by the uh, early church fathers was tremendous, right? So again, we see here they have distorted history with their, their so-called fundamentalist beliefs. Back to you. Yes, and we also see then Thomas Paine, but he he just didn't see that the yeah. Bible would be true because of the, the youth doesn't fulfill the, the promises. So uh, yeah. that also in, in the... Yeah, something on himself because so, yeah, yeah, he was a better Christian than they were, <laughs> right? Because he said, "Wait a minute, there's something wrong with your belief yeah, here." Sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, to justify their support, these ministers quote Genesis, um, quote, "In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river." Um, the river of Euphrates, end quote. Genesis fifteen eighteen, and this one is, I guess, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So by this, they believe that Israel is the inheritor of that land. I guess, or, right. well, they try to anyway. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. They have not achieved that by any means, and they never will because they're not Israel. Okay, they're still stuck in what used to be called Palestine. And they have not been able to extend their reach beyond it, because all of the countries around there, surrounding them, are resisting their will tremendously, with the exception of Saudi Arabia, which is run by crypto Jews. But uh, there's no way they're ever going to inhabit that land, you know, from the from the one river to the other, because they're not Israel, and Yahweh is not going to allow them to achieve that. Okay. So, but that promise was not made to the Jews. That promise was made to Israel. And as long as you confuse the two, you will not understand the Bible. Back to you. Yeah, and they would never, as I said, they would never be meant to get that land either because that's, the promise is not made to them. So they cannot force force that will. Yeah. So, yeah. And okay. for those <laughs> and for those people who uh, you know are tuning into our, our channel for the first time, the, the fact is, the 12 tribes of Israel fulfilled this promise at Pentecost in the year 33 AD because they inhabited that entire, like we just talked about, the Parthians, right? The Parthians inhabited even beyond the river Euphrates, all the way into Iran, 
Okay, into India, our people uh, were living in that entire territory. And, of course, we had the, the Judahites living in Alexandria, Egypt, on the River Nile. Okay, and so many of those people came to the Feast of Pentecost because they were there to, you know, because they heard the news that the Messiah had come and were very, very curious and wanted to hear more. So they went to went to Palestine for the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, so uh, and the Jews have utterly rejected Jesus Christ from the very beginning. But it was the birth yes, of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's always our people that that cease to find this interesting. Oh, the Messiah is born, and then yeah. we get curious and and we want to look look it up. They've never been. They as I said, they always. No, no. always they always, they, uh, yeah, just rejected. Yeah, they reject the concept entirely that Jesus is the Messiah. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Even more proof. Yep. yep. It is significant that today most of the Arabs, the descendants of Ishmael, live in the area between the Nile and the Euphrates. Ignoring this fact, the fundamentalists tell us the Jews have a biblical right to the land. In truth, this promise was made to Abraham's seed, not necessarily to Israel. Remember, Ishmael was born of Abraham before his name was changed to Abraham. Abraham has other seed than those of Jacob Israel. Yes, yeah, including, uh, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, including the Indo-Aryans, because they were the children of, uh, not Hagar, but Keturah. Who he sent east so that they would not, yeah, yeah, so they would not interfere with Isaac's inheritance. Okay, so we have the Indo Aryans, we have the Ishmaelites, we have the Israelites, and related peoples all inhabiting that entire area. That uh, and the Jews are such a small fraction of all those people. There's no way they could ever inhabit that entire territory. No way. It makes no sense whatsoever. So this is the insanity of Judeo-Christianity. Yes. Um, fundamentalists never mention that these Arabs follow relig religion called Mohammedism. The Mohammedans claim Abraham for their father and teach that Jesus Christ was a great prophet of God. They honor Jesus Christ, whereas the people who follow the religion of Judaism and who also claim they are Abraham's seed, actually curse Jesus Christ and do not even consider him a prophet in any shape or manner. Yeah, that's, um, yes, how it is. They, um, they regard themselves as, as, as messiahs, I guess. Yeah, but they believe the lie um, that they will return to Israel, accept Christ, and be saved, right? I mean, talk about a pipe dream. You know, it's promises, promises. When will when will it ever happen, right? And it's never happened, and never will happen, because the Jews are antichrist, rotten to the core. They will never accept Christ. Back to you. No, that's that's the big that uh, that may shed the what to say that split us apart. Yeah, and that's Jesus Christ. That is uh, that is the main that He risen from the dead. He's the, he's the, he has risen. He lives, and he. He will come back, and then he won't, won't be that sheep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what does happen is 
these fundamentalists have in effect cast the United States on the side of the Jewish claim to the land of the Middle East. This is in op opposite to what we know for history and the Bible. These 200 million or more people in Arab lands are truly Abraham's seed. There are other non-Israelitish uh, descendants of Abraham besides the um, Abra Abrahamic uh, people. I suspect that uh, not one churchgoer in a thousand even knows about them or has even read these verses of scripture. Uh, quote, and Sarah was 107 and um, 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in um, Kiryath, Arba. Uh, the state is Hermon in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. End quote. Genesis 2, um, 2 and 3. Uh, yeah, 2, 2, okay, 2, 3, 1 until 2. I don't know really what it means there. Genesis, yeah, yeah maybe there's a misprint. Genesis 2, I, probably, I don't know. It's, I it's, it's a misprint, yeah. Maybe it is 23. Yeah, it must yeah. be 23. Yeah, okay. Yeah, otherwise it's uh, <laughs> kind of makes sense in, in the chronological warnings here. Right. And Sarah died. And in them, in chapter 25 of Genesis, we read, yeah, must be 23. Right. <laughs> and quote, then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was um, Keturah. And she bare him um, Simran and Yokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak, and uh, um, Shua. Uh, it's very interesting and, that Moses married a daughter of Midian. Okay. So uh, she was also a daughter of Abraham. So Moses did not marry a black woman, as most of these fundamental, fundamentalists claim. No, she was a direct descendant of Abraham through Keturah. Back to you. Mm -hmm. And white, one hundred percent white. Okay. Yes. Otherwise, it would not have been happening. Uh, That's right. He doesn't break uh, the law. Yeah. And Yorkson, uh begat Sheba, and the Deadan, and the sons of Deadan were um, Asbirim, and Let uh, Letushim, and Leumin, and the sons of Midian, Epha. And Efer, and Hanoch, and uh, Abida, and Eldach. All these were the children of um, Keturah. And Abraham gave all that be had in unto Isaac. End okay. quote. Genesis 25, 1 until 5. Yeah, okay, so it's not it's clear. The people then that... Yeah, yeah. It's not clear who Keturah is either, but obviously. Because Abraham made very clear that uh, Isaac was not to marry anybody but uh, a woman of his own racial stock, that uh, he himself would violate that law, right? So that, that by itself is proof that Keturah and Hagar are white women. Absolute proof. I mean, he's not going to violate his own law, all right? Back to you. 
Exactly. And is those the one that then became the Indo-Aryans? Yes. Yeah, those who were, were sent east. But uh, Sheba went south and uh, t- uh, uh, took, uh, took hold in the southern portion of Arabia, you know, at the, uh, at the seashore down there. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have all those uh, Arabian nations down there. So these were Indo-Aryans, uh, the, the, the ones who went further east and those who went south, uh, Sheba. Queen of Sheba uh, actually, uh, you know, came to visit uh, Solomon. And uh, rumor has it, uh, they had a child. But that, that's not stated in the Bible. But a lot of people assert that uh, when she came to visit Solomon, they uh, they, they pr- produced a child. So she had to be white too, <laughs> right? Although in, in his later years, Solomon uh, would take just about anything as a concubine. Yeah, he really degenerated. All right, back to you. And didn't also then was it then when um, I mean, um, uh, was it then that um, Solomon was showing his great everything as built, and she weren't impressed, or is that oh, yeah, uh, she, something else? I remember he to- did. Yeah, she was totally impressed. In fact, uh, that's why she came to see his temple because the uh, news of the gloriousness of Solomon's temple you know, spread far and wide, and so she had to she had to see for herself whether these stories she had been hearing were true, and she was more than impressed when she got there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. um, here are listed six sons. Of a woman named um, Keturah, whom Abraham had as a wife after Sarah had died. Then in verse 6 we read, quote, But unto the sons of um, concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while we yet lived eastward unto the east uh, country, end quote. And that's Genesis 25, 6. And here is the one that was sent east then, that became yes. the Indo-Aryans. Right. Now, it's quite possible that the Sheba, the Shebaites were started going east, but then they might have turned south uh, instead of uh, going across uh, that gulf. I forget the name of the gulf there that uh, separates the Arabian Peninsula from India. So there's different ways to get there. But they may have turned south and settled in, in southern Arabia. Okay, so even though he may have sent them east, not all of them may have wound up you know, as far east as the Indo-Aryans. Okay, back to you. All right, uh, okay, so uh, okay. It's, we're very close to the end, so maybe one more paragraph here. Yes, um, Abraham had other sons by his um, concubines. That means there are possibly another 50 million or more people descended from Abraham. They would be in the land of Iran, Iraq, and Pakistan. They would also include the, the Persians and those people in the East Country. Yes. Okay. All right. So, yeah, all those nations, uh, Uzbekistan, <laughs> uh, all those Stan countries, you know, there's only one mention, Pakistan, there's all kinds of those stand countries that were once populated exclusively by white people, probably all descendants of Abraham, okay? And also Japheth, because Japheth 
uh, migrated north and traveled east as well. As far as Japan, a lot of people don't realize that the name Japan come from, comes from Japheth, Japetic, Japetic people. And there, even today, there are still a, a couple of tribes in Japan who are white. Uh, they're called the Ainu. They're white tribes. Probably the, the origination of the samurai was among the Ainu. The, the samurai warner, warriors are Ainu. So the influence of the white race, and uh, there's also evidence that the Koreans uh, absorbed a lot of white Japhetic blood, okay? So our people got around, and uh, unfortunately, you know, they, they mixed with, with these other races as they traveled. But uh, our people, the Indo, uh, I'm sorry, the Anglo-Saxons uh, are forbidden to race mix. So uh, we have to stay true to that law. All right, Brother Michael, uh, good show today. We'll continue this story next week. Everybody, thanks for listening, uh, and uh, thanks for all the great commentary in the chat room. A very interesting show today, and we'll pick this up next week. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. Goodbye for now. All right, bye-bye, folks, and see you next time. Take care.